Episode number 53 of the podcast. Welcome back. Today, we got to sit down with Mr. Tony Kelly. Now, Tony has developed over years and years this perfect blueprint for opening kick-ass restaurants. Giddy Geisha, Market Bistro, Rice Boy, Spiro. That's some of the ones he's working on right now. But he's also managed to... Uh, attract these beautiful staff that just want to work for the guy and have all these systems in place to just make working for them fantastic. So he has got a good story of how he got into it and how he started, his stumbling blocks and challenges that he's had. It's it's a cracker, so sit back. But first of all, it's brought to you by Chef Notepad. Ease the store and cost all your recipes and so you can focus on the food. That's the motto of that beautiful company. Check that out so that you can become the best version of you in the kitchen as well or a restauranter as well. Also, if you want to help with the ordering, check out the new Suncoast Fresh app. Do all your ordering. You can set up a pantry list so it makes it really easy. You just have to put the numbers in if you're ordering something similar every day. But talk to your rep about that is awesome. Check out the website, www.suncoastfresh.com.au. Sit back, relax. Let's get into Tony. That's cool, eh? There's some interesting people out there. Mm. Yeah, and you know what? We dig into that. So let's get going. Today, Tanya, you're already on. We just yep. started recording like two seconds ago. Yep. So um, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Thanks for being man. a part of it. Oh, it's a um, pleasure. You know, we're going to talk about your, your story. Um, but Tony Kelly, any relation to Ned Kelly? None, mate. No, no, I get asked that a bit, but yeah. no. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a really creative question. Obviously not. Okay. <laughs> but uh, what, what got you into this game as a young man? We, we'll dive back into a bit of uh, you know history and then we'll come forward into where you are now because everyone wants to work for a rice boy and market bistro and I want to find the secret out behind <laughs> that because you're, you're good at attracting amazing staff. But where did you start off? What got you? What got the juices flowing as a young man? Mate, back in, back in my childhood, I wanted to be a golf pro when I was a young man. Um, but I, I, I certainly tried my hardest, but it's just never quite good enough. Um, my mum and grandmother had a real passion for food. I don't remember a time as a kid where I didn't have a hot meal um, cooked for us at night time. So we're really fortunate there. So I, I was always around, always around food, I guess. Um, and my father was um, a bit of an old school taskmaster where it was... You know, you, if you, the the golf the golf was a pipe pipe dream, but make sure that you had a trade behind you, so you know you had something to fall back on. So, um, uh, well, you know, once the golf thing, I, I soon realised that I wasn't quite good enough. Um, I started in the kitchen as an apprentice chef at the Hyatt Coolum. Um, How convenient! Great, yeah, great golf course. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, <laughs> back in and, the day. I, and I knew back in the day that I mean, it was so regimented. It was an old school European setup where there's over a hundred hundreds of staff in the kitchen up there you know they had in-flight catering all the way up to a more formal style um, European fine dining restaurant so there was a very structured apprentice training program up there so that was that was great then that was in its heyday that, that was in the PGA was there was it yeah yeah I yeah. mean yeah it was it was before then um, oh, right. but the PGA came not long after yeah um, it was a truly special place I mean we I can remember as an apprentice chef, we would see the same people holidaying up there from Melbourne and Sydney two or three times a year with their families. And, you know, there was nine restaurants in the resort plus a massive banqueting department, a huge pastry kitchen. And, you know, it was very, it, it was a very cool way to do your, your training. It was hard. The the head, my exec chef up there was Kim Anderson. He was a fucking prick, like a real, <laughs> like old school. He, he'd make a shake when he, walked, when he walked in the room. But he, it was either the right way or the wrong way and you know the wrong way resulted in um torture and the the right way resulted in getting a pat on the back and moving to the next level so um he ran that regimented fear campaign as most european chefs did in that day but um 
what he did do was he trained and he was a massive believer in training. So um, there, was, there was a whole raft of young guys that came through when I did. And, you know, there was some tremendous, some tremendous cooks working there. And I wouldn't change the training. It was, it was great. And I, I spent five years up there and, and loved every minute of it. Beautiful. Where did you head off? Did you go overseas from there? I, I did. I, I went and opened um, Earth Bistro, which I always wanted to work outside of a hotel just to experience what a standalone restaurant would be like. Um, so I, Billy Moore was opening a, a restaurant um, in Mooloolaba at the time, and he, I was a mad fan of him when he was a, when he was a footy player. Um, and I met Gareth Collins, um, who was going to be the exec chef there. So. Um, one thing led to a lot, another, and I ended up being, um, that was my first sous chef's gig there. So I was there for about 18 months, I think, and Gareth had worked on uh, cruise ships in the Caribbean, and he was sort of, he sort of fed that pipe dream to me. So I applied for a Disney job and, and ended up getting it. So within a month, I was bobbing around the Caribbean Sea, um, working for Disney on their, on their cruise ship, so... Wow, I didn't even know Disney had a cruise ship actually. But yeah, they've got. I think they've got four now. Um, it's, a, it's a big part of their business, but um, that, that was interesting. I bluffed my answer. I had no right to get the job. I lied yeah. through my teeth to get it, and um, <laughs> I remember the first <laughs> the first day I was there, I had to order. <laughs> it's eggs. weird how the truth comes out oh, on these mate. broadcasts. Yeah, tell you. <laughs> I tell you, there, there was nowhere to hide. Well, they handed me the ordering sheet, and I had to order eggs by the thousand dozen. It was a coming of Jesus meeting, I tell you. But. The, the balls fell in the right direction and, um, you know, I, I, I had a good career with them for a while and um, I had fun. It was the hardest job I've ever had in my life. I, you know, work like a trooper, but um, you, you certainly have a bit of fun. So how old are you at this stage? Um, early 20s. Okay. Yeah, 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 so still a young guy, working, working really, really hard, um, but um, w- having a bunch of fun outside of work as well. Yeah, yeah, great. But, 9-11 happened and we, we actually just sailed the Disney cruise ship to Norfolk, Virginia um, for dry dock, which they do a bunch of maintenance on the boat. Um, but we sailed into Norfolk, Virginia on September 11, on 2001, so when the shit hit the fan. So, and that Norfolk, Virginia is the world's largest naval base. So right. we arrived at 5.30 in the morning and watched basically the world change forever. So um, nine days later, I was back in Brisbane. Right. So, yeah. I was in London and then flew straight back as well. Um, it's horrible. Um, mate, just so everyone knows, we're at Market Bistro and uh, that hustle and bustle in the background is all these uh, amazing young chefs and one old one called Harry doing their stuff. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so that's the noise in the background so everyone knows. So what, what happened after that? You went to an island, decided to retire onto an island? Yeah, so they, <laughs> so they promised me, but Pete, Peter Caravita lied through his teeth about that <laughs> so, as well. So you lied early to get the job over <laughs> yeah, there and you got yeah, it exactly. back, okay. Yeah, so um, I always said that I was never going to work at, you know, in the Barrier Reef because it seemed very cliche for, you know, there's working on the Sunshine Coast, every second person had worked on the islands and mm. I, I didn't want to do that, but... I got back home and I, I enjoyed the structure working for Disney and that it was a, quite a corporate structure. And um, so I thought I'd give hotels a, another shot. So I was um, flicking through some opportunity and, um, and I seen Heyman um, was, was looking for a senior chef working in their Italian restaurant. And I was, I was in two minds to do it or not. And I phoned a friend and, and said, well, you know, what do you think about Heyman? And they, they told me about Pete Caravita was up there and, you know, he was such an accomplished chef, and um, I, before I knew it, I hadn't even applied. And you know, Pete had rung me, um, and through a friend of a friend, and we had a chat. And 
it was very it wasn't very long after that that I soon realized that it wasn't going to be a normal hotel job Peter um, ran there was I think there was four or five restaurants on Hayman and, and they were all run individually as though they were sitting on the mainland in Sydney um, wow and um, you know that was that was really unique and Pete had a way of getting together some pretty awesome staff up there. Um, Corey Costello, who's, you know, running uh, Rock Pool Bar and Grill now for probably 10 years, he was working up there. You know, Pete, Pete ran a, a tight ship. He's a talented dude. So, and Heyman was such an amazing resort and still is. Um, yeah. yeah well, we've seen each other. That was just six months ago. Yeah, so. yeah. So, um, you know, that was, that was cool. I spent a couple of years up there um, and then came back and, um, opened my my first restaurant, which was the wine bar, and that's where I met you. Yeah, that's it. So that was a that was a, a challenging time. I mean, we we had a lot of fun, but again, your first business, you know what it's like. You know, it's a big restaurant, hundred odd people. Yeah, it was it was two hundred and sixty odd square meters, about a hundred people private dining room. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you know, we put it all in the line there. But my wife and I had that for nearly ten years. It was it was it was fantastic. I mean, we. We got married there. We, you know, our kids were born into that restaurant. Yeah, like it was stunning too. Yeah, like it, was it was a, a beautiful cool place. To it was be. well before its time. Yeah. You know, yeah, we had some some killer people work there, like Tony Cox from Nurses Sommelier, like Shane Bailey, like yeah, uh, Curtis Love. Like there's a, a bunch of really talented people worked yeah. there, which was you know cool. Yeah, fun. Great. yeah. And then you know, um, Stokehouse, wasn't it? After that, yeah, I did. So the GFC came, um, yeah. and we ended up selling that to a gentleman who turned it into a steakhouse. And we were sort of fumbling around, going, "What, you know, what's next for us?" Um, we didn't want to venture into anything else straight away because the GFC sort of towed us up a bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't have two cents to my name, and uh, again, through a friend, um, reached out to Frank Van Handel and said, um, "Do you want to?" Uh, want to come down we're, we're going to do the stokehouse in brizzy and um the stokehouse in melbourne's always it was always one of my favorite restaurants and yeah. the, food, the food was quite similar to um the wine bar where it was a bit bit of mediterranean wash through it so um it, it was kind of a good fit um and I, I flew down and met frank and um sharon and peter mcmahon and they they said uh if you're keen we'd like you to cook for us and i, I distinctly remember um rocking up to com which was another one of their venues in the city and i walked out to introduce the first course for him and you know there was all there was Andrew McConnell and Frank and Sharon I, I felt like I was on <laughs> fucking MasterChef like I shit the bed I honestly did um, but it was from 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 the get go you could see the structure of that group and there's no surprising why they're so successful those guys are, are pros yeah. um, they'd started assembling a management team very early on in the piece they spent a fortune on building the restaurants and I was so fortunate to be able to go down there and do that. And that, that, even though I've done some pretty cool things in my life, that was that from a career pinnacle. That was that was kind of it. When we threw the doors of that venue open, it was it was truly special. And, and I think that 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 understanding and learning that management stuff, you know, like you know, you know, you know I won't talk about me, but you know, that getting to them points in your life where you you learn something other than the kitchen, and you and you, it's like you have this aha moment about. Oh, that's how we get to this. Like, yeah. Is that that happening there? Yeah, one hundred percent. But um, you know, people talk about the success or the failures of businesses, or you know, this is a two hat restaurant or a three hat restaurant, and that you know, I, I think the success of a restaurant should always be governed on you know, it doesn't make any money. Like, you can't invest millions and millions of dollars into a venue and not expect a return of that investment. Mm. So, I look at 
my successes at the Stokehouse, yes, it was a two-hat restaurant after the first year, but it was highly profitable and we did a shitload of covers there. Like we would do 250, 300 covers for lunch and then do the same again for dinner and throw a 70-pack function upstairs on top of that again, yet it was at a two-hat stand. And that's probably been the thing, the, the praise that, I sort of I sing for myself was that yes the business was really really busy and it was and it was glitzy and glamorous as well but the business was very profitable and that was it was good to be a part of that. And you had Usby and uh, Braden White yeah. under you, Richard yeah. Usby for people who don't we, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there was Richard. We we Richard came in. I hired Richard. Worked with him for about it was nearly twelve months, eight months, and then he took ended up taking my job when I left. Yeah. Um, Braden White was there. Didn't they both apply for it? A, yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think Bra- Braden was um, Braden was there. I, I I employed Braden when we first opened, so he was part of the pre-opening team. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that was a bit of a disappointment, but you don't have to look at, you don't have to be a genius to work out that Richard Oosby something special. I mean, the yeah, guy's yeah. A, a bit of a rock star. So yeah, he is, isn't he? He's really calm and collected, and he's just a no. decent guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I really rate him. Yeah, we we had some some killer staff come through that place, and um, I was down there for a couple of years, and um, a, a, you know a good chunk of my life, and I, there'll be always my DNA in the walls down there, and I still speak to the GM and some of the chefs like Richie and and Frank and Sharon, I, you know, they're yeah. still good friends of mine. So yeah, and now the wonderful Otto's there. Yeah, um, um, yeah. So then you decided to go a bit street food on us and donuts and all all the favourites. Oh, um, I ended up getting a phone call from um, Peter uh, Curavita first, so I came up to launch Noosa Beach House, Peter Curavita up in the Sheraton. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was sort of a bit of a homecoming for me because we've got two, you know, three young kids, and um, I wanted to. I wanted the kids to go to school on the Sunshine Coast, so um, you know, to come back up here and to do that. That that was. That was great. And, and, you know, Pete and I have remained friends for many years. So after I did that, I sort of figured out while I was working at the Sheraton um, that the corporate world was um, was great, but I really needed to own my own thing again. So, yeah, right. Um, Time yeah. to get back into debt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I forgot what that pressure was like, but... Um, I wouldn't change anything. So we, we, you know, we opened what is now Hello Harry, um, yep. a burger joint. I thought that you know we could do. Me and my best friend at the time, Scott. We, if I think it was, we, we did the maths on 500 burgers, 700 burgers a week. Then I could pay my mortgage. Scott could pay his, and we'd be fine. If I cooked and he ran the food, we'd 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 get by. And that first week, we ended up doing 4,000. Um, so you're like, doing an extension now. Yeah. What's that? <laughs> you start to do an yeah, extension. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> if you look at that, if you look at that, um, that particular model that we opened, you know, fast forward two years, we ended up franchising and we had nine franchises scattered all over the place. And um, it's a real success story. We ended up selling that brand and um, that's grown. We sold it to a franchise guy and he's he's taken it and run with it. Um, still going? Yeah, yeah, still yeah. going. There's yeah. one at the plaza and you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's still moving. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I knew there was a couple around here. I wasn't sure how far it went. Yeah, yeah, so we, we, with that, we, we decided we'd open a, um, 
an Asian street food offer um, right next door, which was which is now junk. Um, we had yeah. reached out to a friend of mine, um, Dan Jarrett. Um, oh yeah, great came, guy as well. Great guy, um, and just like a killer cook. Like the guy is mind-blowingly good. Has the exact same voice as James Viles. Exact. Does he? They sound exactly the same. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but so. he's a he's a legend, and. Um, I've, I've, I've known, I had known Daniel for years before junk, so he came down and opened that up um, and we employed a guy as a sous chef, which is Mitch Smith. So Mitch came down, worked alongside um, Dan, and then when Dan left, he got uh, coerced back to um, the Tamarind, so Screw Turner won that fight. Um, <laughs> and But I wouldn't change that either because it mean, meant that we let Mitch off the leash and it was not long after that that I realised that Mitch was something special. So as far as Asian food goes, I've never met somebody with the depth of knowledge or the the understanding of flavours around Asian food that Mitch has. Like he's he's a special dude. Yeah. And I normally, you know, like like Brendan Barker, all these guys are just white Aussie blokes who are just fantastic at this Asian yeah. cuisine. Like he, he kind of, I mean, as much as he knows and understands the, the history and the tradition around it, he puts a round eye approach on it and makes it user-friendly to the broader Caucasian community. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's aided in the success of, of the business. So Eliza came on board as well as the restaurant manager and um, she was kind of the first person that I hired outside of the day-to-day structure of, running a restaurant yeah, um, nice. she was overseeing a few yeah. venues um and to cut a long story short we, we we scaled up we had a multitude of businesses um i ended up selling my share of the business down to you know my best friend scott um and he still has junk um i took a three-month hiatus and and um sat at home and um did the hedge dro- drove my wife batshit crazy um yeah until she said you need to get out of the house got hit in the head by the yeah. bunny nut tree oh, mate, t- it was good it was good fun but uh, somebody who's worked pretty hard at their whole life um after month two i was climbing the walls a bit so um yeah so we we, we rolled the dice and used every bit of saving that we'd set we had and and went to the wharf and everybody told me I was a dickhead when I did that because the wharf was basically about to fall into the water. What do you want to say to them now? <laughs> I'll let them do the judge of that. So <laughs> I've, I've wanted to say a lot to a lot of people, but uh, yeah, the wharf's been good. Um, yeah. So we, we rolled the dice and Rice Boy was born. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it took me a long time to work out how to spell it, but I worked it out. <laughs> and um, yeah. Um, yeah, what a success story that, in, you know, like we could probably talk the whole podcast about Rice yeah. Boy because it's such a institution in town and sort of defies um, a lot of logic yeah it's such a fantastic every every dish on the menu is delicious and you can keep coming back and back and back and back and yeah so you, you know so let's let's go to now then you know you've got rice boy got giddy geisha you got marketplace bistro have i missed any yeah we've got spiro spiro oh yeah spiro yeah. i always forget that because right next to rice boy seven, shadows we've got it seven venues trading yeah between wow. the wharf and we opened a little cafe in sippy downs called uh, miss may Oh, that's right. Um, yep. Kitty Gaish's next door to Market Bistro and Market Wine Store. Yeah, there's a lot. We've got a bit over 300 staff. Holy sugar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So 300 individual children plus three at home <laughs> and a dog and a wife. So it keeps me up at night. But, um, wow. you know, it's, it's cool. We, we're in a good place. Yeah, that is really. And, and you can see, you know, like, that's what I like to go back through the story so people understand where you get there because a lot of people look at yourself and look at yeah. other people and just go, yeah, that guy get all the success, but there has been oh, this big backstory. Been, man, now. there's mate, there's there's 
a multitude of failures along the way, and I wear my losses like a badge of honour. You know, like they, they've out of everything that's happened to me, and there's been some, and there's been some, there's been some really hard lessons I've learnt through business partners and and um, structure and just stuff that yeah. at the time it 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 beat me up. Yeah. Um, that's but, the stuff that gets you up. Uh, yeah, and I wouldn't change that for the world, but because yeah. some people go out and they'll do an MBA in business yeah. and it'll cost them a bunch of money for the university degree so they can hand it, hand, hang a diploma on the wall. But well, I, I did it in real life and, um, you know, my wife supported and helped and, and uh, you know, I, I got the education. Yeah. But um, I, I got it in a way that um, I, I suppose um, it touches me in a way now where I make a decision um, based on the education that I got, which was real life. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. in a classroom with a lecturer. A school so. of hard knocks. Mate, it's hard. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, I rate that. I think it, it sort of teaches you proper. It teaches you hard, that's for sure. So how's your, how's your life now compared to, you know, 15 years ago? Like, is it, is it harder now or is it easier now? I know, mate. Oh, look, I, I don't know. I, I, it's def- no, no doubt it's definitely easier. Um, I, I think, like, I... It, but in in other ways, there's that the, the pressure's just different, you know. I, you know, during COVID, like the, you, you could bang on about that. It could be a podcast in itself. But when you're staring into, you know, staff size who are international students that don't have anything, and you're letting them go, and there's no support from the government, and they can't pay their rent, and they can't eat, that's some significant yeah. pressure. You know that. I'm not appeased by money, um, which makes me sometimes incredibly difficult to deal with. But um, I look at that, the humanity that that COVID has just brushed over, like those people got lost in the system. That's challenging. Like we, we, we stood down 120 people in four days. Like that's brutal. So you learn, you learn stuff like that. So is it easier? I don't know whether it's easier. It, it certainly is. But you just you, there's a different set of responsibilities you have when you've got so many staff and just to make sure that the wheel keeps turning and the beast is breathing and we can afford to pay everybody and give people opportunity that they deserve, you know. And, and that, that might come to the, that point where we talked about um, you're attracting some amazing people. You've got Mitch, you've got Nick, you've got yeah. Harry, you've got a great team throughout all yeah. your venues. You know, um, everyone seems to love working um, for your groups. Um, and particularly right now, there is a bit of a struggle for hospitality staff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know there's a great beach there and I know there's lots of amazing things about the sunny coast, but there's something else. What do you think that secret might be? Mate, the, one of the first things I try and do is just figure out what, what, one, what motivates and drives you and two, what your ambitions are. Like if you're a, if you're a young chef, you know, if you're a chef to party or a sous chef and you come and work for us and I find out that you want to open your own business, well, that's music to my ears because if you've got motivation, drive, and you've got natural ability to be able to cook, that that's the why. When we open a business, we always say, "What well, you know? What's the why? Why do we want to do it?" And if it's to give people opportunity, um, that's good enough reason as any. And if you've got the ability and you've got the means, then let's do it. So um, we've had we've had that along the way with Mitch and Eliza and you know Nick and Harry and Luke and all these guys that. The, the why was, like, Market Bistro was born because Luke Stringer, who's our front of house manager, um, came to me and, you know, he'd been working in some of the best restaurants around Australia and, and Bali 
he wanted to settle on the Sunshine Coast and he wanted to sink his teeth into his own venue. And we tried to figure out how that was going to happen. And before we knew it, we'd signed a lease on a gargantuan 12 hours property. Later. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, you think about the, the speed and the pace we moved to Open Market Bistro, and it's really quite ridiculous for such a massive investment. But through Luke, we got we secured Peter uh, Pete Marchant to to manage our wine program here and the wine store, and then from Pete and Luke, we got Harry, and you know Harry's yeah. so credentialed himself. Um, when he came and seen me, he was working at Howard Smith Wolves, and I just sat in front of him. I'm like, I can't teach you anything, mate. Yeah, yeah. On the contrary, I should be in the kitchen working for you. Um, so. To, to secure him when he said he wanted to do it, it was just, it was a no-brainer. Ah, yeah. But it was a, literally a 15-minute conversation. I'm like, in, like, let's just <laughs> make it happen. So suddenly... Uh, if people could just see your face just right yeah. then, that was just gold. <laughs> so suddenly we're looking, at a, we're looking at a resume for a restaurant that's got Pete Marchant, um, Luke Stringer, Harry, you know, it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So... That, you know, that was that was kind of cool. But Mitch and Eliza have done the same thing with, with Ross. But, I mean, you look at Nick Blake. I mean, mm. Noma and Wasabi. Yeah. And, uh, the guy could be out there running his own restaurant right now, I'm sure of it. Um, yeah. And he's the way he's nestled in and, and sunk his teeth into the, the, the helm at Rice Boy, it's, he guards it with his life, you know. It's like he loves the grind, doesn't he? He just loves the challenge. Maybe he does. Um, you know, and we, we try and treat Nick or we, like we do all of our staff where his family is our family, you know. Ooh. Like his, his DNA is in Rice Boy and will always be there. Um, and Mitch and Mitch and Nick speak probably more to each other during the day than what they both speak to their wives like they're they're super like they're they're into it you know yeah well you have to don't you have to yeah you know um you're getting plenty of sleep you're looking after you how how do you balance health and 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 does that get you know translated down to the team a bit like it does i mean we we try and we try and wear a, a golden rule where well just probably take one step back. We we outsourced all of our HR management to a, a large external company, and they they govern us and help me um, because you know when you got over three hundred staff, I believe firmly that the hospitality award is made to be broken. It it's so complex to understand, you, and as soon as you make a mistake, you're in the media about it. That you're, oh, you know, yeah. wage theft, and I mean, how can you ever stay on top of that? It's like no, so, a moving target. So we we we, you know, we recruited a massive corporate company with a whole bunch of structure to take that from us. Yeah, um, and they govern us. So we we thumb in and thumb out every day, and um, if our staff do more than forty two hours, they get flagged, and I get a phone call, and you know why and where and this needs to change and you know so we've got some good structure there so we try but we, we leave it to our managers and the managers certainly um you know that they, they, they realize the importance of that now um because it's a different beast than what it was when you were cooking and you know when i was an apprentice where you, i remember the red marks all over my timesheet at the end of the week scaling it back from <laughs> 80 hours to 37.6 you know <laughs> yeah. they just read pen at all you know yeah. so you can well, it's not the world we live in right now and, and it shouldn't be like that so yeah. um for me yeah i, I mean I, I suppose i'm i'm fortunate in that respect because i i do really govern my time but I'm probably the same as you whether i'm whether i'm sitting in the restaurant working or i'm sitting at home working you know i'm probably in a position now where i can i can do both yeah. so i get to um I get to spend a bit more time with my kids and I suppose that my days off are pretty sacred. I, I, I make sure that when I'm on at home, I'm on at home. Yeah. Um, right. And my wife keeps me pretty honest with that. 
So, um, and I suppose with a bit of success, you, you can get to enjoy the fruits of your success a bit more and make sure you go on a holiday every each year and stuff like that. So I suppose from that respect, I am looking after myself. Um, and, you know, I think the team is as well. I mean, we've got a bit, we've got a, quite a regimented structure around annual leave and making sure that after each big set of um, holidays, you know, school holidays and stuff like that, when the teams get bashed up a bit, yeah. everybody takes a break afterwards and, um, and that kind of works well. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, what, how do you um, do? You still oversee the menus or work in with Harry? I mean, like you said, he's he's amazing already, and you, you've got all these amazing people. Do you have yeah. to have much to do with that anymore? Yeah, or? no, we do. Um, more because I want to, not because I have to. Yeah, yeah. Like um, <laughs> Dobbers. Um, I don't know what that, that was. was Harry. We yeah. were in trouble there. Someone just got a beating. Someone's in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with. Um, with the menus, like um, Dobbers, who's uh, Harry's head chef, he's um, he sent me a, a menu last night because we were about to do a change on the, the Market Bistro menu. So he just sent me a menu and said, well, tell me what you think about this. And, you know, we, we swap and change. We, and we're trying to create a, a restaurant in Market Bistro where it's a bit of old school, you know, like Oysters Kilpatrick and, you know, so things like that. We, we want to try and keep that that feel and that that that, that DNA um, the same from when we opened um, all the way through. So um, the first couple of menu changes, I sort of hold on pretty close. But Harry Harry doesn't need much guidance there. I mean, he, he knows that he understands that the only thing we've got to govern with Harry is making sure that it doesn't turn into an Italian restaurant because if he had his way, half the menu would be Italian. So, yeah, um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the same with Rice Boy. I mean, I, I, my my suggestions will mainly come from a protein or I might say you know I've spoken to a supplier and there's some amazing prawns around at the moment great deal if we secure a pallet of them will you get them on the menu and then suddenly two days later Mitch will ring me up and say you're around you at the wharf and I'll be like yeah I'll be there in 15 minutes and suddenly I'm looking at a prawn dish and mm. two days later it's on the menu so you know if you ever need any help with that I'm here <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a tough part of the job um, it's usually a bit of fun when Pete Marchin in the wine store says I've got the new by far allocation do you want to come and try it I'm like yes I'll be there in two minutes <laughs> how does all the dietary requirements and all that challenge you know that you know because that was not a thing when no. I was a chef at no. all it's we were a vegetarian we took the meat off and yeah. probably left the gravy on there <laughs> As we yeah. called it, or I called it, and um, you know, like now, tell me about them challenges Mate, and how it, you deal with them. It is. I mean, we, it's a big, it's a big focus for us in the restaurant to make sure that we have separate gluten-free, um, separate gluten-free menus, separate vegetarian menus. So, um, all of the team put just as much energy into um, into their their vegetarian and, and gluten-free options as what they do their their normal menu. So, and that vegetarian and gluten-free community is very loud. So mm. when you get it right, they're your greatest advocate. But when you get it wrong, they'll carve you up as well. So yeah. when you put the effort in, I think they really appreciate it. And, um, you know, when you come to Market Bistro, you'll get presented with a separate menu, which is vegetarian. If you're, if you're gluten-free, you'll get a separate menu, which is all gluten-free. You know, there's no little marks next to the food, which just shits me to death. It's like <laughs> all these ABCs and next to them, it drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, with the same at, um, at Giddy Geisha and Rice Boy and Spiro, it's the same thing, separate menu for vegetarian, separate menu for gluten-free. And, um, you know, we, we, we put just as much energy into that. I love that. Yeah, it's I cool. I love that. Yeah. You're still, you're still going, you're a person just because you don't have, you know Yeah, that's right. Like, you're yeah. valid to have a menu that you can eat. Yeah, I and we sort of kind of take the approach where, you know, there's a big, pe people hack on the gluten-free, like, oh, you're not celiac. 
you know, it's not going to make you sick. It's like, well, if you, even if you're making a choice that you don't want to eat gluten, I don't care. You're fucking 10 bucks for eggplant chips is as good as mine, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I'm not a gluten friend. Like, I'll take your money. We'll cook you the eggplant. I don't mind. <laughs> so, and, and, yeah, yeah. And, we, and I suppose that flows. And we, we, we've, we wear a golden rule. We cook for the people. Yeah. And hence what I said to you about before, Mitch cooks a round-eye version of fantastic Asian food because just because a rangdang's supposed to be blow your mind hot, we don't do it that way. We, we try and we create something for the people because the market indiscriminately will tell you whether or not it's shit or not. So we, the market's the market. When they keep coming back, you've got it right. Yeah. But if they're not lining up and they're not coming in, they're telling you very clearly, change the product. Yeah. So you just got to listen to that. You've just got to get yourself in a mindset where you listen to the people coming in because they'll tell you. The market's clear. Yeah, it is a beautiful thing. And obviously they're telling you all the right things at the moment. So how, like, this is a difficult question. So if the staff would like to just turn off right now, just maybe <laughs> fast forward 30 seconds. But how do you know when it's time to, to let someone go? Now, the reason I ask that question is because I watched that um, chef's table with Francis Mormack. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he talks about when, you know, he actually lets people go at their, at their best, where you you'd go, mate, when you're at your best, we're going to open a restaurant for you. Is that, yeah. You know, like, what, is oh, there, it's, it, it's a difficult question, but I, I thought I'd throw it in there. If you're talking about when to let people go, I mean, it's never nice to fire people, but I'd say it three or four times a week. Faster hire, faster fire. Oh, You'll know yeah. pretty shit, you pretty quickly if somebody's shit. Like, yeah. I, I reckon with 20 years in the kitchen, if you're a newcomer into the kitchen and I told you to chop me an onion, so you'd have to go and find the chopping board, find a cloth to put under the chopping board, get your knives out, find the onion, peel the onion and chop it. I reckon maybe before you chop that onion, I've, I'll give you a pretty good insight to whether or not you're going to make it because you should know that the chopping boards are kept in the fridge. You should know where the onions are kept relatively yeah and are you fast are you clean are your knives sharp are your knives clean you know have you got your apron on before you chop you know yeah. stuff like that and I'll, you get that sixth sense and often i'll see people on their on their trial they'll come in and set up a chopping board and i'll look at mitch or i'll look at harry and i'll have a grin on my face and i'm like he's a rock star <laughs> he's like how do you fucking know he hasn't cooked anything yet and it's like just the way they move around the kitchen you can tell yeah. a pro yeah. and then your energy goes into well what do you want to do like, what's the big plan for you, mate? Like, what, what do you want to, oh, I really want to open a little neighbourhood bistro in Neustra. it's like, really? <laughs> well, and then you. Here's one I prepared. Yeah, well, yeah. then you, I mean, then you flag him as a, you know, yeah. if suddenly if an agent finds you from Noosa and there's a killer opportunity up there, then you're like, maybe, yeah. maybe. I used to get them to cook chips and I purposely put the deep fryer at 170. I said, look, take as much time as you want. This is not a time thing. Yeah. This is a how, how this food comes yeah. out. Go cook with some chips. Maybe I want you cook chips. It was a breakfast job at Fresh with that super busy cafe and bar, yeah. and, and poach me an egg and um, and cook me some chips. That's what I want you to do. So rip away, take your time. I'm here for a couple of hours. Yeah. So take as much time as you want in the kitchen. If those chips came out not crispy and golden brown, I would just I wouldn't even. That'd be it. You're yeah. out. If you can't cook a chip, you're gone. Well, it's, it's funny you talk about eggs. And Michelle Rue's famous for his cook me an omelette. Like, yeah, yeah. You know that's a or poach an egg. I mean that, that's a. It's a tough thing to do. Yeah, because um, when you got to do two thousand of them on Saturday morning, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and what's um, still inspiring you? What's getting you? What's getting the juices flowing these days, mate? It's it's, it's funny. I suppose the um, the COVID environment's changed the world on us a little bit. So our direction sort of changed a little bit. But um, but we we're always trying to stay ahead of the bell curve. Like 
we look at trends and you know we try and be just that little bit ahead of it um, what's coming up um, because if somebody if somebody decides to do what we're doing we'll, we'll change like we, we we don't want to be the person that just a follow-up people ask why did you go to the Marichador CBD when it's a you know, it's a construction zone. I mean, there's nothing to look at here. It's a shit fight outside. No, look at the food, bro. I mean, well, it's funny, but I, I, we, we wanted to be the first in here. We wanted to be like like the wharf. When everybody said it's a shit place to go, that was motivation for me to want to do it then because, you know, we're, we want to pave our own pathway. So um, well, It's much better to be the first, isn't it? Well, I think so. I mean, I, I look at here and I go, in 15 years' time, you're not going to be able to secure what we've got here. Yeah. So hopefully it just adds to the value. Yeah. Um, so it's funny. Um, we, we just want to stay ahead, stay ahead of the bell curve. Keep looking at the trends and the movements in food. And it's funny because I'm I'm seeing a, I'm guessing that it's because the markets. Um, a lot of people aren't travelling overseas, so they're spending their money locally. Um, so we're seeing huge growth in the in the. The, the formal market like Market Bistro where mm. table service good wine list like where our wine list is improving so much because the the market's saying clearly that they want bigger better more expensive wines they want better wine service that, you know they're, they're happy to spend the money so which six years ago was exactly the opposite to that yeah so uh, we're listening to it actually that's what um young Simon Gloftus said as well when yeah. I, I did him in COVID we did the podcast yeah. he said saying I'm coming out with guns ablazing doubling and, down and, yeah yeah, yeah. I, of all the good quality and the good wine and everything right now I, I'm kind of the same I just had a meeting with Luke this morning and I said the market's clearly telling you because we're seeing the most growth in any business at Market Bistro because that, there's, what else are you going to do? Mate, it's Tuesday, Wednesday night in the middle of winter here and we're full tonight we got 135 books on. you know it's busy so, how does social media affect this? Does that affect the menus, or I'm, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't? But um, does no. it affect anything that you do? No, it's just a, it's just a big part of our our marketing plan. I mean, we um we we we've got two or one person who's just designated social media. She's a she's a rock star at it. I mean, and you know, if you look at all of our social media platforms, we we're across them all. We we post multiple times a day. Um, Good things, bad things. We don't, you know, we, we're not in a we're not in a place where we pull down bad comments. We keep them there, give people a voice. I don't read reviews. I don't read Google reviews or anything like that. But if you post something to our social media, if you message me directly, then I'll reach out to you personally. But um, social media is big. It's noisy. It's loud. It's got great. It's got massive impact on us. I mean, we see how social media plays a huge part in Ross, where we put a special up, and the 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 callback on that special from the moment that it goes up is instant. Wow. It's, it's crazy. That, and I suppose every, every bit of social media through different businesses will, will act in different ways where ours is, is, is there's instant feedback on it, so, which is terrifying as well. Mm. But um, it's, a, it's a huge sales pitch for us. I mean, we, we use it really effectively. Um, Market Wine Store, there's a lot of energy and effort goes into that, videos and pod, not podcasts, but um, and, uh, review, wine reviews and stories and it's it's a huge part of our business. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a big success for us as well. well we, we always use it to go, well, you know, what 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 are we going to post about that's going to get somebody off the couch who's undecided what they're going to have for lunch or dinner and then suddenly something pops up in their stories or a social media post and it gets them off the couch, gets them in the car and gets them to come down. 
every single time we post on social media, that's we use that as a caveat. Is it going to get somebody off the couch? And if the answer is yes, that's a win. And you're able to measure the, uh, you know, the the social media posts with what sold that night. Can you? you we we often look at that, yeah. and it's and it's it's definitive. That yeah, okay. That's what happens, especially with the specials. Yeah. I mean, we, but I suppose Rice Boy sometimes is a bit of a beast because we have a lot of people that come down two or three times a week, so. Um, if there's a special on, they'll just hit that special yeah. regardless because there's so much trust in the product, so they'll try it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I do the same. I, I live not far from Beccafino. And yeah. I don't even look at the menu. I just have the Beccafino is the rice boy. Yeah. Italian food, <laughs> isn't it, right? It's so good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, do you have like a mantra that you live by? Do you get up and look in the mirror? Do you have any other uh, mantras? That, <laughs> maybe a mantra and that, that's something else. What is it? Look in the mirror thing, something else. But yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have anything like that? Mate, I always just, or you I suppose just, it comes from my dad. I mean, we, we just try and be the best person you can every day. Yeah. I mean, look after your mates if, and look after people who can't look after themselves. We, our house, I've got two young boys that, that live with me and an elder son, and I'm constantly into them about that. Brush your hair. Are you being the best person you can today? Is your shirt ironed? doesn't take much. Make your bed. What about when you're going for the groovy cool look that I've been going for for years? I look messy, you know? That's right. Well, mate, yeah, each to their own, I guess. <laughs> if I yeah. said that to my uh, 12-year-old son, he'd wear his pyjamas all day. So, um, no, yeah, just, yeah. just be the best person you can, mate. That's all. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we, just, we just try really hard to make a difference in our community here. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're good to our customers and good to the locals. So. Where, what other good restaurants are there? You can say in Australia, like, where do you absolutely just know and rate? And give me a couple if you want. Like, oh. I know that we can't go anywhere or do anything and every restaurant's changed in the last two years potentially, but yeah, have you got some favourites? Look, Sunshine Coast, we, you have to kind of peel it back again. I mean, if you go Sunshine Coast, Harry's on Budrum is, is really good and that's always been a real favourite of mine yeah. and it's and it's fantastic. It, it, it got um, brought several years ago now and they're doing some great things up there. The guys at Some Young Guys have changed the dining scene in Noosa. I mean, they're, they're killing it. Um, and their food's just super, super delicious. Um, Sunshine Coast-wise, um, they're, they're probably my favourites, I would yeah, say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. then if you want to go brizzy, I mean, it's it gets even harder. The guys at Honto are doing a great job. Yeah. Um, same, same. They're, they're, they're killing it. Um, yeah. I went to um, uh, Ollie Hansford's restaurant, um, yeah. Safridi's. That was, I saw you there. That's really good. Yeah. I mean... He's just a killer cook and it's, it's kind of humble. I mean, I look at what he's doing there and it's, I, I, see, I, I see what's going to happen with him over the next couple of years. He's, he's just going to bust through and it's going to be a, a giant. Like when I was down there and I was, I was we were lucky enough to do that collaboration with him and I was sitting out the front and he was saying, you know, he's the next steps to try and get a bigger space and the, there's a full lease sign next door to him. Yeah. And I was looking at him going... <laughs> Mate, <laughs> you've got to you've got to give that guy a call, right? There. Yeah, you know. I'm so sweet. I reckon he's got big things heading his way. Yeah. Um, and then Melbourne, Cutler and Co. And you know, Cumulus, all the Andrew stuff down there is amazing. So it's just where what sort of food you want to eat. So yeah. it's funny, but I, I, you know, with, I've got three young kids and a dog at home and a wife, so I'd spend a lot of time at home cooking myself. Right. Sitting on back deck, no fuss, no stress. Beautiful. Yeah. Reading any good books? Bit of a podcast guy, to be honest I'm with you. Reading any so, good podcast, obviously apart from mine. Yeah, apart from yours, mate. Um, <laughs> look, uh, there's a real good one called Back of House. Um, in the Weeds, Deep in the Weeds is a really good one as well. Yeah. I'm a bit of a Gary Vaynerchuk fan, so I listen to Gary V. 
he he punches yeah. a few things out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm finding him a bit repetitive lately. It kind of is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if you know, yeah, gets sick of hearing about his Pokemon cards and stuff like that. But um, he's a he's a successful dude. Yeah. yeah. I, I look at what he did with to the wine industry in the early days, and mm. it's um, you can't deny the success that he's had. Yeah, he deserves every great, everything yeah. he gets. Um, the only thing that I, I get a bit podcasts you hear about people and these consultants that jump on there and you know pitch to the world how great they are they've never owned a business of their own you know yeah. so that's a bit much for me yeah that is because they've never done that hard no skill of notes, have they? it's easy it, to spend somebody else's money yeah you have spoken about it a few chefs already but who anyone in particular that really inspired you that god that guy just changed something for me that you work for or you you not even work for mate um look i look at i look at my um my apprenticeship and and when I was just submerged in the in the, the culinary arts, I guess, and guys like Charlie Trotter and uh, Thomas Keller and Grant Ackers, and they, they, you know those types of guys who who had a vision and you know rolled the dice and opened their own venue. They you know they're chefs that owned their own places, and that really inspired me, I guess. Um, David Chang, um, you know. I, but I guess it's less about those people, and I look at guys like Danny Mayer, who, you know, he's a, you know, he's a restaurateur, and what he's done and how he's crafted his empire now, and that's mm. I, I, I take I take so much from from what he's um what he's done. But I mean, how much time have you got? Like my <laughs> if, you, if you look at if you look at my TV room, it's at home probably more you. Like, I think some people put some balloons there. <laughs> it's probably my be signal to get out of here. But, um, yeah. yeah, he's like my TV. Like I've got it's a throne of cookbooks and 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 you know like I, I love the industry. I'm one of these very fortunate people that I wake up every day and I love doing what I do. And I landed on my feet and um, I get to go to work every day and do something that I love to do. What's next for Tony Kelly? Next for me. I'd like to say a holiday, to be honest with you, but uh, so with my wife. Oh, look, oh, we've we've got a couple of projects um, coming out of the ground on the Sunshine Coast. So I'm, I'm because I live in Palmwood, so I live on some acreage out there. So we're going to do a project in Palmwoods. Um, nice. I brought a freehold of a property out there. We're going to do an Asian offer, um, similar to Gittigation Rice Ball, which is going to be a, a weapon, I think. Um, and. I've got a bet with a couple of people. I think it's going to be bigger, better than Rice Boy. So Ooh. that's going to be cool. Um, Just say that one more time. No, I won't say that one again. Um, <laughs> but we, we've got we've got a team together for that, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, and it was funny because Eliza was like, Palmwoods, really? Oh, you know, and she was, she was sort of a six out of ten. And then I took her out there and then she was like, oh, my God, yeah. I'm in, I'm in. Um, and then, you know, we, we, we're doing a, another project out at Udlo, um, but I'm pretty pretty pumped about it as well. Mate, that's exciting because I'm sure it's going to be a big cracker. Um, I also want to ask you just a little bit about wine. What's, what wine are you loving? Because I know you know your wines really, really well. What, yeah. what, what's your, what's, what's your favourite at the moment? Mate, it's, it's funny. Like, I, I suppose I, I go through, it's kind of like food, I guess. You go through different phases and, you know, I'm getting a bit annoyed at home because I've got so much Pinot and Chardonnay. Um, but I, it's not like one one varietal. I love champagne, but you're better off having a really bad um, drug addiction. It's cheaper than having a champagne <laughs> addiction. Um, but um, Pinot, I love Pinot. But, yeah. I, you know, I love that. I love the lighter soul reds because I, I guess they lend themselves yeah. more to food. I guess that's where it's coming from. Nebbiolo, Pinot, um, Grenache, 
You know, that, that's where I love. And how, I mean, I know you said you like Chardonnay and got it. It's a massive comeback, is it? It Chardonnay? is. It's really hard. I'm, like, I'm we, starting we, to enjoy it. Yeah, myself. I, I guess that that old school style Chardonnay that's got some weight and that richness and, you know, that's making a real comeback. Yeah. Um, but I like Riesling. Like, we sit, sit down for a bowl of uh, Giddy Geisha, spicy food, and have a bottle of Gewurz Tremonaro or Riesling. It's like, it's delicious. It doesn't yeah. really matter what it is. I mean, any Riesling and some spicy food's going to taste good. Yeah. So. Who do you want to thank, mate? Who do you want to thank? I know you, I know you talk about your wife all the time. <sighs> she, she, yeah, mate. I mean, I, I just wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that simple. I mean, we always joke around about it. I, you know, I say, what have you been doing today? You know, just joking around. But the, <laughs> the, 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 the truth of it is, is that I, the only reason I, I, I'm in the position that I am right now is because of the support that she's yeah. given me personally, professionally, before you even start talking about raising kids. Like, I got beaten down a bit after I sold my last business and I got out, um, and that's a whole nother podcast, but it was her belief in me that basically pushed me out of the door and said, you've got it, go and do it again. Because I, it's it's hard when you you know when you build something and then whether or not you lose it or sell it or you're not in it anymore and the thought of starting again sometimes is really scary and it and it and it, it it's it's terrifying you know you think I can't do that again like I've just put six years of my life into that how am I going to start again mm. and then all it takes is just one or two people standing behind you going of course you can do it you've done it before just go and do it again mm. and that when somebody believes in you like that. It's 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 pretty special. So you know, I, I, I the the success that we've had here, like I share that completely with my wife. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. a multitude of people. We look about talk about these businesses, like all of the leaders, the Nicks, the Elizas, the Mitches, the like Mitch and Eliza. I mean, they'll, they'll say yes and just stand behind me before they even know what we're going to fucking do. Like <laughs> that 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 belief is, yeah. Like I, I, I would take a bullet for those guys. Yeah, and me, you know, even though we're in its infancies here, but we've got a team of people with Dobbers and Harry and, and Luke and Peter and Nick out the front here, like in Market Bistro, it's, they're, they're, they're my family. So all those guys, like Alejandro over at Giddy Geisha, like he was in our opening team at Rice Boy as a, as a you know, sous chef. So now he's the he's at the helm yeah. in Giddy Geisha. You've got, you attract amazing people and you've got a successful life and Great wife, I mean, it sounds like you're ticking all the boxes, mate. So trying hard, keep mate. on keeping on. If I go down, I'll go down swinging. That's the music <laughs> they're playing for us to end the podcast, I believe. <laughs> so um, balloons getting set up on the table here. So I'll thank you. We will be back. We're going to sort of redo a few people and with a few different subjects uh, uh, again, actually not next year. So we'll look forward to talking right. to you again. But uh, mate, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's great chatting, mate. It's good good to sit down and have a coffee and, and share a bit of my life story with you. Yeah, it's great. Thank good you. On you mate.